to just step out and decide that I want to do things and get people to rally behind me or with me in order to do it. I just never think about that as leadership. I just think about that as Jackie being Jackie. (laughs) Self-leadership can be lonely. It's hard to do the thing no one else wants to do, that no one else is willing to do. But you are not alone. There are others dancing through the fight and laughing as they lead. Let's find them, swap stories, and live through this together. Welcome to How I Live Through This. I'm your host, Anne Roach, and I'm really glad you're here. Today's guest is Jacqueline R. Davis. Jackie is a marketer and a storyteller. A graduate of Harvard Business School and Cornell University, Jackie held marketing positions at Fortune 500 companies, including Boston Scientific, Intel, HBO, and IBM. Her first entrepreneurial venture, Roomscape Interiors, was an award-winning residential interior design firm. Jackie traveled across the United States, redesigning rooms on HGTV's Decorating Sense for nine years. Jackie is currently reinventing herself as a professional speaker and storyteller. She shares stories about her personal life experiences to inspire women to step into their greatness and be seen and heard. Jackie held leadership roles in social organizations and served on boards such as the HBS Women's Alumni Association, NCNW, and Massachusetts Coalition for the Homeless. She resides in Massachusetts with her husband, but both still call New York home. Welcome, Jackie. I'm really glad you're here. Thanks for having me, Anne. Happy to be here. Good. I asked you on this season, Leaders for Change, because of the story you developed in the Story Skills Workshop, where we first met, which you debuted in a performance on a live Zoom event hosted by GBH. The program, Silver Linings, Stories from the Stage, was later recorded live from the stage and broadcast on television via World Channel and on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I'm curious if someone had told you when you were that young girl in your story that you were going to be telling that story on a national stage and helping other women find their voice, would you have believed it? I would never have believed it. It wasn't something that I dreamed about, aspired to, or ever thought would happen. Uh, Taking the story skills workshop, writing the story and telling the story was just life changing for me. Mm -hmm. I just picked a story. Oh, well, let me tell this story. It's something that um, meant a lot to me. And I wrote the story and it was really interesting that it resonated with so many people and touch so many different people. Yeah, it sure did. Do you want to just give a a recap of what your story was about? Okay, the story was about when I was in the fifth grade, I was bused across Brooklyn to a school in a predominantly white neighborhood. And I wanted to be in the class play. I felt invisible because in my classroom, I was the only black student. And I thought that being in the play would give me the opportunity to show my stuff and to be on stage. But I didn't get the part and I was really disappointed, but I decided to learn the part anyway. 
And as it turns out, the leading lady wasn't able to do the play. And we found out the day before my teacher asked if I could do it. And I still don't know how she even knew that I knew the uh, lines, but I said, sure, I could do it. And so I went on stage the next day and I played the part. Uh, my parents weren't able to be there to see it but they were really excited for me and happy because it was my chance to step out of obscurity and really be seen and heard. Yeah. When that experience happened to you, Jackie, and it really was, I was, I was in the Story Skills Workshop when you told that story and it was so powerful and it was so powerful to see you pull it out of yourself and put it down and see it develop. When you had that experience, did you know what that moment was? Did you, it stayed with you, why? I think back on that time and it was a defining time in my life and it stayed with me, I think, because throughout my life, I continued to be the first or the only and, you know, sort of being put into a corner or a box with that I was supposed to be in and you know I'm supposed to be happy being here and it was just a theme that got repeated over and over and over again and so it, it wasn't hard to remember it or to tell the story mm -hmm. uh, you know it's interesting because it's like the same story but in different parts of my life I'm struck actually by our conversation that we just had initially about you know, when leading yourself and knowing that you need to know where you're going or what that looks like. And I'm, it makes me curious, Jackie, because you couldn't have known in that moment that taking, that memorizing those lines and, and putting your hand up and going for it and saying yes and sticking with it, you know, sticking with it even though you didn't get the part. And then saying yes, you couldn't have known that it was going to lead you to this to telling your story on a national stage. But you had to have known, I was, I'm really struck because you, you, you knew enough to memorize the lines. And in a way, I'm wondering if that's your, I had to know where I'm going. I didn't know where I was going and I didn't memorize the lines in anticipation of mm -hmm. going someplace. I memorize the lines because it's something that I wanted to do and memorizing the lines that was under my control and it's something I wanted to do. And even though I wasn't selected to do the part, I said, well, that's okay. I can learn the lines anyway. So it was for wanting something at that particular time and being able to do it without anybody approving of it or without anybody giving me the chance, it was just for that moment in time, I have control over this and this is what I want to do. And so I'm going to do it. Had I known that it would take me where it, it did, would I have done it anyway? Probably. And I probably would have tried to do even a better job at it. But it was just being in the moment. You know, what can I do now to yeah. do to get what I want? Yeah, I love that. Reminds me of a conversation I had with Bernadette 
Bernadette Chiva, who created the Story Skills Workshop, about agency. What do you have agency over and doing that because you want it? So not necessarily being in the play, but you had agency over whether you could memorize the lines and you did it because you wanted to. Right. Has that been a pattern in your life? That's an interesting question. Uh, I think that pretty much when I want to do something, I do it because I want to do it, whether or not I know where it may take me or whether or not I know if there are going to be any rewards. I guess I'm in the category of the, the lifelong learner. I'm curious. Uh, and I just like learning new things and doing new things. And so, yeah, I just decide, well, you know, why not? We'll try this. And, you know, I can't say that everything that I've ever tried has gotten me to a next step or, you know, has been really good. But I think that in terms of being personally rewarding and fulfilling, most of those things have been. Hmm. You know, I'm trying to think about work. Well, I guess even before then, I remember I wanted to do a show. I was going to the YWCA, you know, again in Brooklyn. I left Brooklyn. I was going on 11 years old. So this was before then. And I convinced a neighborhood friend to let's do a show. We're going to put on a show. And we made candy and we took it to the Y. And, you know, after the regular program, we said, oh, well, we, we want to do our show. And they said, well, you can't, you know, everybody has to go home now. We're like, no, we did this. They said, okay, fine. You have 10 minutes to do this show. And so we did the show, you know, it's like, you know, I just thought of it and, you know, didn't ask permission to, you know, just we're doing the show and somehow we did the show. Did I become a Broadway star? No, <laughs> but, you know, we did the show. You know, if I think about work, I was really fortunate um, in one of my uh, marketing jobs to have a manager who was very supportive. And I was the person who came up with all these new ideas. You know, I, I was the creative one. Let's do, I don't know, I, I wanted to do a program for the sales reps, because at that time, all the information they needed was being printed. And by the time it was printed and distributed, it was obsolete. So I said, well, you know, we can do an audio program. And this was probably the precursor to podcasts. (laughs) And so we did that and got that information out to them. I wanted to help decrease some of the costs involved in doing trainings and customer events. And so I put together this program called Seminar in a Box and put all the information that was needed for that, sent it out to the various locations. And so the salespeople were able to manage their own events, you know, without any interference, but with some guidance from corporate. And I had one program that we were, I was responsible for helping to launch the company into the hotel industry. And I wanted to have a replica of a hotel on the trade show floor. And at first they thought I was crazy, but (laughs) we did, we got it. You came in, there was some front office 
applications and back office applications and it was a baby grand piano that was supposed to be in the lobby and we had giveaways that were in the shape and they were when those musical cards first came out and this was in the shape of a baby grand piano when you opened it and it played a tune and it had our marketing messages in it and we won an award for the um, best new entry for this particular trade show so i've always had this need or drive to get more creative, more creative programs out. And so I just think of them and I say, well, can we do this? Can we not do this? And sometimes I have to ask permission and get the funding for it. And sometimes I don't, I just do it. You know, even with volunteer activities, uh, one of the organizations I worked with, people were complaining, oh, the website is awful. Okay, the website's awful. You know, I'll I'll redo the website. Well, do you know how to do websites? No, but I'll learn. So I learned WordPress. I changed the website. And so I think it's just thinking, well, you know what? I can do this. And if I can't do it, I'll learn how to do mm-hmm. it. And if I don't learn how to do it, I'll still do it. It may not be well, but I will probably still do it. And so I think part of it is having an idea and then just having the confidence to step out and do it, you know, sometimes asking permission to do it and sometimes not, but that's just what I do. Jackie, first of all, you've just defined leadership. I love that. And I'm so, it's so funny. I'm laughing because when we were talking before the podcast, we went back and forth and you said to me, I don't think of myself as a leader. How I don't understand how you could not. You just described (laughs) both. Not only did you just describe leadership, but you just gave me four examples of how you do it so naturally. (laughs) I think it's probably my uh, interpretation or my idea of what a leader is. You know, to me, it's like, oh, when you go to a website and you look on at a company's uh, leadership team. You know, you see the CEO and the president and the CFO mm-hmm. and the CEO. And, and so I think of that in terms of leaders, you know, people who have a certain amount of authority and clout in an organization. And so to just step out and decide that I want to do things and get people to rally behind me or with me in order to do it. I just never think about that as leadership. I just think about that as Jackie being Jackie. You know? It's like, <laughs> hey, guess what? I have this idea. You want to do it with me? You know? Yeah. And then people say, what, are you crazy? Or, yeah, okay, yeah. fine, let's do it. So I guess in that sense, I'm a leader. Yeah. I, I mean, what you've just put your finger on here is the difference between the face of leadership versus true leadership. And sometimes they're one in the same, but sometimes they're not. I mean, as we know, you know, the the people given power are not always true leaders. You know, what I hear is, well, there are people who are in certain roles and they get promoted into leadership positions. Mm-hmm. And those leadership positions may be leadership based upon title Mm -hmm. as opposed to leadership based upon what they actually do Mm -hmm. and 
sometimes people are in that role and people, they do have followers, you know, yeah. therefore they are leaders because they're in that role, but not necessarily because they are good leaders or right. have good leadership abilities. Yeah. Um, and I know that, you know, I've read information that says, oh, well, you can teach leadership. And I'm, I'm not so sure about that because mm -hmm. I think teaching leadership is similar to teaching somebody how to ride a bike or tie their shoes or bake a cake. You know, you can give people the information, but it's not until they actually do it that they can say, oh, I really know how to ride a bike or I really know how to lead people. It's mm -hmm. from actually doing it that I think that it's learned. Yeah, I so agree with that. And the piece that I'm hearing that you're bringing in here is it's not just in the doing, it's not just in the knowing how, it's also being able to pull the part of you that really wants this thing, that really wants this step, that really wants this act. And and pulling that forward and leading that. I mean, people aren't just saying, yeah, Jackie, I want to do this thing that you want to have. I want to do the show with you. I want to make the candy and do the show. <laughs> They're not just saying that because you're, you know, you know how to do it or you're leading it. It's because they're attracted to and influenced by your passion for it, by your desire for it. So I think that's, that to me is the piece that that I identify as the self-leadership, being able to lead yourself towards the thing that you want because it's what you want. And that's what I hear. That's what I hear in you. That's what I heard in that story, in your story. And that's what I hear in how you describe leadership, that trust in yourself if I don't know how to do it, I'll figure it out. And if I don't figure it out, I'll just keep it moving. <laughs> <laughs> keep it moving till I stop. <laughs> but I want this. But I want this. There's a desire there that's really powerful. Well, I think that it is powerful. And sometimes it can be so powerful that it backfires. Because well, tell I've me that in, story. Well, I've been <laughs> in situations where I've wanted something, I think, for people more than they wanted it for themselves. Mm. And, you know, I'd pushed and, you know, I'd push and prod and know you can really do this and try and prop them up and keep them going. And I hear, well, I, I've changed my mind. I don't want to do it anymore. No, but you can really do this. I know yeah. you can do it. I can see if I don't want to do this, you know, and I keep pushing to the point where this, okay, fine. I never want to hear from you again because <laughs> I don't want to do this. Yeah. And I've had to pull back and say, fine. And you know, some of it is they just really don't want to do it. Maybe they've changed their minds. Maybe they just are afraid. And mm. as much as I try to tell them not to be afraid, tell them you can do this, they don't believe it for themselves. And I can't yeah. make them believe it. And so, you know, it's backfired. And I've had to step back and say, okay, fine. If this isn't what you want, then, you know, that's okay. 
but it makes me sad sometimes when yeah. I see that happen. Yeah, I mean, that really speaks to the, you can't pull somebody's self-leadership out of them. They have to find it and they have to pull it themselves. Right. I think, you know, that I definitely find that in coaching, that it can't be my system or my plan or, and I get that sometimes people say, I just want you to tell me what to do. You know, it doesn't work. I mean, it may, it might for a minute, but you're just going to be doing that to make me happy. But until you identify, really, really figure out your own desire to lead yourself, it's just not going to happen. But that's why, you know, that's why leaders need followers. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's funny. One of my, my favorite, I think it was a TED Talk. It was about, uh, what was it called? I think the first follower. And there was a guy who was, I don't know, on a field or a beach or someplace. And he starts doing this crazy dance and people are looking at him like yeah. he's crazy. And then other people join yeah. in. And then, you know, a whole <laughs> movement starts. Yeah. You know, it's like the that that getting that first follower. I'm writing that down. Makes you a leader. Well, but see, Jackie, that's exactly right. Like that, he's not asking permission and somebody might say he's crazy, but I mean, that is part of what this podcast is about. And I, you know, when I was thinking about this, I'm kind of fascinated by leadership. I'm fascinated by that. I'm fascinated by people's discovery of their own leadership and what it can do when people really take agency over their own leadership, over their own action. What do I have control over and do that thing? It doesn't have to be this big thing. It doesn't have to be, I'm going to be a storyteller on the stage, you know, in front of a national audience. It can be I'm going to learn the lines to this play because I want this. And so not only is your story inspiring to the, to other people who can say, oh, well, I can do this step. I can do this step because that's what I really want. I can take this smaller step because that's what I really want. I think sometimes when people think about the bigger step, it's so intimidating. They think they can't do any of it. So that's the that's that's one thing, that smaller step. But also, you and I have talked, you and I were talking about, there's a lot of leadership, even self-leadership, that is hard. It's hard to do things that people tell you is crazy to do or to do things that no one else believes in. It's hard to do learn WordPress and and make all the stuff and do all that kind of behind the scenes stuff that you don't get credit for. That's not easy. Where do you find, I, I call it the dance or maybe the energy for continuing to show up for yourself, even when there are a lot of hard parts to it? Somewhere in the back of my mind, which I haven't completely defined, I have my own idea of what success means. And so even when things get hard, I continue towards that. Uh, you know, I even think now I could retire and I'm thinking, well, what will I do next? 
and in a magazine, I, I saw a quote, it said, I'm not worried about getting old. I'm worried about getting boring. And yeah. so I guess that's it. I don't want to be boring and I don't want to be bored. And so even when things get tough, I continue on. And, and it also makes me think about what is tough, you know, when things get hard. And isn't that it's really relative, you know, something that might be hard for me isn't hard for someone else, or someone might see me do something and well, how did you do that? How do you have the courage to do that? And I think what? Well, that was child's play. That wasn't, you know, it was a piece <laughs> of cake. That wasn't hard. And so I don't know, it's just this, you know, not wanting to be bored, not wanting to be boring, wanting to continue. I think that with as many accomplishments that I've had, I don't feel that I have, you know, reached the high of Maslow's mm. hierarchy, you know, mm. the self-actualization. And maybe that's what keeps me going, that I'm still seeking to be there. And I think that that might be part of the problem, but also part of the, the goodness is that mm. I don't have a, an endpoint that says, I will know that I've arrived when I am the doctor, the lawyer, Martha, Oprah, you know, yeah. and so I'm just continuing on, you know, it's not, it, there's no, you know, I, I don't see an endpoint to the journey. So mm. I just continue the journey and, you know, there may be hard turns and bumps and I just, I keep going. I love that. I, I, you said lifelong learner and that, that sounds exactly right. If you're a lifelong learner, there is no end point. There's always something more to learn. There's always something more to be curious about. Yeah, and I think that I'm just curious by nature. Yeah, I think that, and also I, I think about my parents. You know, my parents weren't well-educated people. My father went to school through the eighth grade, and my mother was a high school graduate. But one of the things that we had when we were growing up was a library card. Mm. <laughs> and, mm. uh, you know, so we'd go to the library and we'd get books. And uh, what was it? It was a quote my mother used to tell us something about uh, a house without books is like a room without windows. I think mm. something to that effect. So even though we didn't have a lot, we, you know, had books in the house or we got library books and there was always something new to learn, you know, something new to do. And even my parents and their careers, you know, they would change their jobs and whatnot. And so it never felt like, you know, I had to be stuck doing one thing. Mm. That's so great. The example of not only is there not a box, there are so many worlds to explore through books, but also um, that example of your parents, uh, you know, being able to I, I love I'm, that's a theme I'm kind of um, exploring for myself that, you know, there is some people think of there is one path and then some people say, but the, 
the path is very wide and there are a lot of different ways to go on it. And uh, it sounds like from your resume that you have done a lot of different things and and really given yourself to a lot of different curiosities. Well, it's it's funny. I think about um, think about people like uh, Michelangelo. You know, he, was he a sculptor, a painter, mm. a mathematician? A, you know, so it's like, right. why just be defined by one thing? And if I had to use one word, I would probably say. I don't know, two words came to me, creative <laughs> and explorer just came yeah. to me because I, I do like to explore and I like to create. And in all the work that I've done, for me, the common theme has been really marketing and promoting and messaging to really influence, you know, whether it's in, you know, my marketing roles or you know, in, in speaking it's in some way to influence and to help make things better. Mm. And it's sort of, it's the creative approach to doing that. So that's the dance for you it, that I wrote that down. Creative explorer. That sounds like where you dance. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I never thought about it that way, but during the conversation, that's what came up for me. Yeah. What have you discovered in your journey as a creative explorer that you didn't expect? Oh, what have I discovered? I think that as a creative explorer, I've discovered that there's always something new to create and explore. Mm. And that my way of doing it might be different than the way other people do it, but I feel like I'm enough and I have a lot to offer and I'm just going to continue being a creative explorer for as long as I can. I love that. Thank you so much, Jackie. Thank you. It was a pleasure. <laughs> that was beautiful. I really, really appreciate you saying yes and sharing your stories. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to How I Live Through This. I really appreciate it and certainly don't take it for granted. My goal for this podcast is to get support where it's needed. If you're so moved, please check out the organizations mentioned by my guest and consider how you might assist. Rating and reviewing How I Live Through This will also help amplify these heart-centered leaders striving to make equitable change in the world. Thanks so much.